0: kids my name is michael kaiser and i'm john wilson and welcome to another episode of make ours
1: marvel this is episode 37 of the show where we're continuing our journey through the early days of yesteryear the marvel universe as it once was in a generation before probably any of us
0: were even alive <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish like, that some of our listeners were alive, but they haven't admitted to it yet.
1: Yeah, no one that's listening has admitted to being a collector back then. I we have friends who are collectors back at this time, but no one writing, no one has written to the show yet saying it's me.
0: And if they did, I would seriously like consider like maybe doing like an interview episode or something just to pick their brain to know like what it was like when all this was going on. Hint, 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 hint. Really, people of respectable years. Who can, you, you know, put two sentences together. Which is probably most of them. Yeah.
1: So uh, we are in October. No, dang, October. 10, 11, 12. We have three months of this year left.
0: Wow. Yeah. So this is the Halloween month. So all these stories are going to be horror.
1: Okay. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't think that's
0: how they, they rolled back then. I
1: don't, you don't think that's how that works. But no. I was going to go with it if you were going somewhere. <laughs> well, it does if it's a soap
0: opera. Right. Or something. The the Buffy episode, the Buffy Halloween episode every year. Do they do a Halloween episode every year? Yeah, I think so, because it was considered so lame, but then something always bad happened, you know, ironically. you know
1: that I've not seen very much Buffy?
0: It's, you know, I haven't seen it for a long time, but when I watched it a long time ago, I loved the heck out of it. So, you know, give it a shot. Was, you're, good at, you're good at loving things, so you're probably really going to love the heck out of it.
1: Yeah, I've actually seen the two seasons. I watched them with Lily when she was small, mm-hmm. uh, like like single digits, like maybe eight or nine. Um,
0: it, it gets better. It's like TNG, you know, like the first couple seasons is like, oh, okay, interesting. But yeah, it really starts gelling.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, it's on my list of things to get to when I get to it.
0: And of course, you'll have to space in Angel at the appropriate spots. Oh, right,
1: yeah. And, of course. Um, isn't there another character who gets a spin-off show?
0: Maybe not. No, just, no, just the idea. So. I'm
1: thinking of something else. Okay, yeah.
0: All right. Um, speaking of spin-offs and continuations, Wow, that wow. really segue very king well. Speaking
1: of segways. very well done, <laughs> sir.
0: That was an accident. Or I'll take it or I'll take credit for it. Yeah. Speaking of spin-offs, spin and continuations, uh, we're gonna talk about Tales to Astonish tonight as the first of our Uh, uh, coverage of a story that actually continued from last issue, right? Is that how to say that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Tales to Astonish 50 ended on a cliffhanger, which we've never covered before. And now we're going to go into 51 for tonight's episode. And it, I'm stalling. One second, one second. Here we go. It's called Showdown with the Human Top. And it's by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Again, came out October 1st, 1963, with a January 64 cover date.
1: Just want to throw out there, this is my dad's birthday. Which he, part? Uh, October 1st. Okay. So he would have turned nine
0: when this was out oh, there. All right. So maybe like comic book reading age, but maybe not, because I don't know.
1: You know, it's I more. think he did read Mar- He was not a huge comics person as an adult, but he had memories of being into comics, which is why he got me into comics.
0: Okay. So. Yeah, I'm never sure what the demographic is for these 60s Marvels. Like, were they shooting for teenagers or little kids or both or what? Anyway, we'll have to interview Stan Lee someday. I'm sure that'll be easy. Um, I've, got his, I've got his email. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. I think he's on Twitter. Um, so just a quick recap. The hum- the top in issue number 50 is a guy who spins around really fast. And he did some Robin and Giant Man in his arrogance, now that he's Giant Man, his ego is also giant for some reason, and he thought he could stop him, but the spinning top spins really fast, and he moves really fast, and basically he made himself look like a fool, and the end of the issue is him, is Giant Man back at home in his lab having recreated the spinning top, sort of, as a robot for him to practice, and he can't even catch that. So that's where we open with this story, um, and he's still not catching it. Or actually, he does catch it, but the problem is he also can't hold on to it once he does catch it because it's a spinning top. So the thing spins out of his hand. And, yeah, in frustration, there's just nothing he can do. Um, he and Jan like mull over being failures, I guess, or him being a failure. Meanwhile, the spinning top, very, very happy with himself, comes up with a new plan. He finds a an abandoned like tugboat that's all rotten and full of nobody. And he throws a stick of dynamite on it and blows it up with the idea that works that you know the entire town or at least the precinct will come running to this big explosion not knowing it's an abandoned tugboat they'll have no idea what it is you'll see a big ball of fire so the police and the fire trucks and the ambulances all go running over there and pretty much leave the city abandoned for the top um to steal what we'll eventually learn is like some sort of like city defense plans or something like that Um, but as he's a as he After he steals them on his way out, he's confronted by Giant Man and the Wasp because they watched the whole thing on television and weren't fooled for a minute. They knew it was a decoy. So they go after uh, the top. But once again, same problem. Giant Man can't catch him. The Wasp, with the aid of the police, almost catches him. She gets a lot closer, but he still gets away. Uh, but it turns out as excited as he is about sealing these plans, it turns out uh, Giant Man and the Wasp would go back to the government building and they're like, uh, yeah, those plans are outdated. So they're kind of worthless. And, you know, who cares if he stole them? But Giant Man's like, hey, you know, back when I was Ant-Man, I used to have to come up with ways to beat bad guys, not just use my awesome, amazing strength and ego. So I'm going to do that. Let's pretend the plans are real and let's let him try and sell them to the Russians. So they do that. And once he makes the sale, they arrest the Russians, but not before the Russians and the human top come up with coordinates for where the top should meet them. So the top doesn't know they've been arrested, but they have. So the top shows up at this, you know, whatever, the street. And he's met instead by, instead of by the Russians, he's met by a Giant Man, who once again tries to capture him. And once again, the top goes, boah ha, ha, I'm too fast. But this time, as he tries to escape, he hits a barrier. So that was unexpected. But that's okay. I'll just 180 and go the other way. (gasps) There's another barrier and another barrier and another barrier. And it turns out they've like barricaded the entire block so that he can't get away this time. And then Giant Man simply climbs up a building and kind of waits for the human top to spin out of control trying to escape until he tires himself out. Can't spin anymore. And then Giant Man pretty much does like this WWE wrestling jump off the corners of the ring thing and like slams on top of him catches him turns him over and uh yeah our two-parter is complete bad guy caught all right yeah so at least it I was... think that's what happened yeah
1: yeah that, 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 that's basically it this was like a giant action fest yeah pretty much that I really feel like didn't need its own part of the story <laughs>
0: didn't need a two-parter like it pretty much was the same thing twice
1: well all the drama of the story is in the first issue there's not really anything added to the drama there's not really anything new it's just like going after the top just gonna Mm -hmm. go until until we catch him
0: well i mean if this was a full page count they could have just done it in one issue but right they could have
1: taken the they could have taken like a dramatic point where he couldn't catch the top and then have him regroup and come up with the um Basically, the net plan for the end.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. So I feel like it's only a two-parter because because they uh you know only have half a book to deal to work with.
1: Right. So they had to pad oh, wow. out the other half to make it f- a full half. But otherwise,
0: yeah. I I don't have much to say. I mean, like the fight is just kind of the same. I liked the part where Giant Man arrests the uh, the Russians. I thought that was visually really fun. Like he just <laughs> he pokes out of one window, reaches over, grabs them from the in- the other room, and. That was neat. But uh, otherwise, it's more just the spinning top not being caught.
1: Yeah, I think I, I saw like three small moments that stood out to me. There's one at the beginning, whenever he can't do the, the top, page two, Jan says, maybe this would be a good time to get out of the superhero business and take up a new hobby. Mm-hmm. Like whispering sweet nothings into my shell-like ear. And I was like, okay, Jan, rip superheroing. I guess you had a good run. Let's go make out.
0: <laughs> ah, Jan is becoming less interesting all of a sudden. Honestly? Like, like oh no. Because for a while there, I was impressed. I thought, like, oh, they're really writing her like a strong person. And now it's like, oh my God, the boy thing. Just all the time. It's just that one note. That's all she is
1: now. And Although
0: she did really almost catch the top over giant man with the whole hydrant thing and the police coordinating the police and all that stuff. So
1: that's true. She is showing her to be the better person of this team.
0: Yeah. But then she's in a room full of government agents and all she can think about is it's so great to be in a room full of men. Like she's mm-hmm. not even saying that out loud to be ironic or funny. She's just thinking it to herself. So that's it's, her inner self.
1: Which I can value that side of a person's personality Mm-hmm. But it's the note that they play with her so often. I right know. It's kinda like nineties Superboy is always coming on to women. Always.
0: Yeah. But and at it's least just, in that case he was like eleven, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
1: Um, we get our first use of the nickname High Pockets.
0: <gasps> really? Yeah. That's cool. That escaped me. Who said that?
1: Uh the kids on page four.
0: Okay, great. Whenever
1: they're going to interview
0: Jan and Hank.
1: Oh. And they decided to just interview Jan anyway because she's the woman and they're all, you know, hormone
0: dogs. Yeah. I skipped all over that because it's sort of inconsequential. But it is kind of crazy that the Giant Man fan club knows where Giant Man lives. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's his residence, right?
0: But then no, again, he, he exploded out of his residence like two issues ago. So
1: This is his gym lab.
0: It's a oh. uh, caption
1: on the previous page.
0: Meanwhile, in giant man's gym lab. Well, I assumed his gym lab was part of his house, but I guess this is too big to be in a house. Yeah. Wow. He must make money
1: somehow. Some way. Mm-hmm. It's not through science because Reed Richards steals all of his patents.
0: <laughs> well, maybe Reed Richards pays him to be quiet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hush money.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Jen did comment that, you know, she got a run in her leotard. So I, I while it, at one side, it seems like a stereotypical woman thing to say. Mm-hmm. On the other side, calling out the impracticalities of superhero costumes made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And um, all right. So I have a question for you, Mike. Huh. The human top on the bottom of page nine. It was simple for me to take these civil defense plans for the federal building. The mm-hmm. commies are sure to offer a big price for this scrap of paper. And I'm just I'm just curious. Um, How... Do you sell stuff to the commies?
0: God knows, I have no like idea. If you're
1: just right, if you're just hey, hanging out, did you out ever New see York, that
0: movie? Which one? Uh, the Coen Brothers movie where they're trying to sell information to the Russians. No. And it goes really bad because nobody can figure out how to do it or no, what they is have. A movie? Yeah. Oh, it's what's hilarious. it called? I don't know. Hold on, Coen Brothers. I'm googling right now desperately before someone tells me on Twitter. Oh, Burn After Reading. I need to see more Coen Brothers movies. They like discover these plans that they think are secret plans, but it's really just some guy's diary or something. And they're like, we could, because she needs money for plastic surgery. <laughs> so she's like, I could sell these to the Russian embassy. And it like, it just goes all all wrong. Okay. okay. But it's hilarious. In a dark way. It's hilarious.
1: Well, that's fun. I'll have to check that out.
0: But But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know how to either. Like, go to a CD bar and ask, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I
1: mean, if you have cool stuff that you want to, that, you know, commies want cool stuff. So if you had cool stuff that commies might want, what what would you do? I don't know. Mm. Um, But yeah, there's some cool art with giant man up against small scale backgrounds or him, like, you know, every, like, several people in the room looking normal and he's just like
0: bigger than everyone. Uh huh.
1: Close-ups thinking, on his
0: face to convey his size. I, I was wondering about that. Like, does he have to be giant all the time? He can't go to a room and hang out and just be normal? He's
1: on brand. We we know that from his Ant-Man
0: days. He's all yeah, yeah. about the brand. That's a good point. Even as Ant-Man, he always hung out. Uh-huh. He's tiny, yeah.
1: But it's it's not a great issue because wasp is really boy crazy. And we were just in, in it again, in episode 24 today, which is that Colossus issue, which Colossus and the aliens were not a great concept, but the wasp was fantastic in that issue. And I even said in that issue, after H E Huntley stopped scripting, I wonder if the wasp is going to lose some of her awesomeness. And it's possible that she has done.
0: Like the thing is the wasp is, you know, Quote unquote girly, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's part of her character. She should be, I'm fine with her being about boy, being boy crazy or being about fashion and all that. But on the other side of that, she's also like led the Avengers and kicks serious butt and takes no prisoners. So I want to make sure that both sides are represented. And right now, it's just all the girly stuff all the time.
1: She's not really
0: doing anything cool. In Avengers, she's done nothing cool in Avengers so far. I can't remember. Yeah.
1: No, she's she's done a, a, not a lot, but she's mm-hmm. she's she was more present in issue two than she was in issue one. But yeah, if she were doing more of the superhero stuff, or if she were talking about other things in addition to Dreaming Over Men, mm-hmm. we would just get a more rounded character. And, you know, these are things we have seen
0: her do. Yeah, she started out pretty tough, like where they went to like the issue or the episode we just released where they go to fight the Cyclops. She's telling um hank that she doesn't want to be on vacation she wants action Mm -hmm. you know he's the one who's like no i don't want to investigate because we're here in greece and let's just have a good time she's like heck no put on your outfit let's go that's good stuff but she's not doing that anymore
1: no so i i i I miss the wasp is really what it comes down to
0: yeah yeah. but
1: speaking of the wasp we had a backup Uh story in this boy
0: yeah, we do, and I think this is like the first time I've had to summarize a backup story, so that's weird. You can but, probably
1: uh, do it in like 30 seconds.
0: Yeah, it's called Somewhere Waits a Wobble, exclamation point, <laughs> by <laughs> Stanley Larry Lieber, art by Larry Lieber, inking by G. Bell, whoever that is. George. Um, George Bell. Okay, so apparently the Wasp, in her awesomeness, goes to v- veterans' hospitals and hangs out as a superhero, tells them stories. Likes to flirt with the boys. They love to flirt with her because she's so gorgeous and stuff. And they're army men, I guess. So that's what she's going to do. She's going to tell them a story, which is what this story is about. It's about a dude named Rack Morgan. Takes place in the future. And he's like a smuggler Han solo guy, except he's kind of evil. Because he takes shortcuts that aren't good for anybody. Like literally he takes shortcuts in his space rocket that endanger people's lives and stuff. And he'll like take people's, um, you know... Uh, jobs or whatever by like drugging them and making them pass out from drink, like pretending to be their friend and then knocking them out with a drink or something and then stealing all their loot. So he's a bad guy essentially. And anyway, one day he's flying around being bad and like this meteor flying around in space, I should add this meteor uh, shower thing or something is about to hit him. So he gets lower towards this planet and then he realizes it's this planet that, you know, um, Earth or the you know, whatever the human population is now has deemed like um, illegal to visit because of the Telosians. No, no. I just made that up because mm-hmm. uh, uh, he doesn't know why. You just can't go. So he scoops down lower to avoid the meteors and he sees that there's all these like big, huge gold boulders, essentially. And he comes to the idea that, well, it must be illegal to visit here because they don't want anybody else to get this loot. So I'm going to land, and I'm going to steal it. And he magically picks up this huge boulder of gold that should weigh billions of pounds. But he picks it up, and he puts it in his spaceship, and he takes off. And as he's flying away, the gold changes into an evil, green, big, ferocious, monster-looking thing. And the thing says, we're not gold. We're evil, gross, green monsters who eat humans. And how we get you to come close to us is we turn into that, which you want most. And you wanted gold. And then like the guy screams off page because the story's over. He got eaten and he got what he deserved. And the veterans are all like, yay wasp! You're so beautiful. Tell us another story. And she's like another time boys and shrinks and flies away. Yep. The end. Yep. So, so, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> there aren't very many of these, but there are just a small, a small number of them. Of uh-huh. uh, it's basically the usual stories they do in the backups, but with a framing piece that ties it into the superheroes,
0: which is an interesting idea, I guess. Yeah, um, I like that the Wasp goes around being superheroy in a charitable nature. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's all I really got out of it, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just one of those like sixty sci-fi's with a twist stories, I guess.
1: Someone forgot to tell Larry Lieber about the point on Wasp's head. She's uh-huh. not wearing She's not wearing her, you know, little steeple thing.
0: Maybe that only appears when she shrinks. That doesn't make any sense.
1: No. <laughs> she does shrink at the end. It doesn't have it. Oh, yeah, um, you're right. The very f- first page of the story, the last panel, picture a mercenary space pilot. His name is Rack Morgan, and for money, he would do anything or anyone. I saw that. And I don't think that do anyone meant the same thing in '63. I think, it, it, I think it meant
0: kill them, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, that came out weird. If he's a typical space pilot, you know, personality, probably both meanings of the word are in green, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, yeah, uh, there's a lot of objectification of Jan, especially on the last page, and mm-hmm. yay, uh. It's like, what story with a doll like that in front of you? Who can even listen? So yeah, let's, let's completely devalue everything the woman had to say for the last 20 minutes because you can't keep your hormones under control.
0: Yeah, but that rings true. It does ring true. It's just So true. that didn't really bother me. I mean, you know, you can't write that now, I guess. But I could definitely see guys talking like that to Jan, especially army veterans who are in a hospital board out of their mind. Especially Sur-
1: since, since Jan's just left the room. Uh, yeah. Or or, they, or she's disappeared. They think she might have left the room. So guys tend to be a bit more coarse about women whenever there are no, no women around.
0: And I guarantee you Jan was flirty back. but We just didn't have enough panels for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Tales to Astonish. That was fast. Yeah. Well, there wasn't a lot going on. Journey into Mystery 99. It's our last two-digit issue of this comic.
0: <gasps> Does it go to 100? Yeah. My, it doesn't change over. Like everything else, huh? Like Iron Man and or Tales of Suspense did, I guess. Yeah, Keeps I mean, going.
1: Those, those will get to hundred eventually, but they're not there yet.
0: I mean, no, this, they don't. They change to different titles, don't they?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Journey in a Mystery does turn into Thor, but it doesn't do so till one twenty six.
0: Okay, so an odd number. Weird. Yeah,
1: one twenty five is either the first issue of Thor or the last issue of Journey in a Mystery, and I always forget which one.
0: Mm, I don't know either. But we'll 12- out. 125
1: is definitely at the border. Okay, so the mighty Thor meets the most dramatic super foe of the year. More dramatic than Dr. Octopus? More dramatic
0: than the Sandman?
1: It's the mysterious Mr. Hyde.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, before I mean, we- Technically, he doesn't ever meet Dr. Octopus or the Sandman. So they're not lying, per se. No,
1: but the most dynamic or yeah, dramatic super foe of the year?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. They're
1: totally lying. <laughs> I have to talk about this cover, because this is a hilarious cover. Like, sets it up and tears them down. Thor. It is time for mighty Thor to become a weak Dr. Blake again. <laughs> I hope no new menace shows up now. I'd be helpless to fight it. And then in the next room, Mr. Hyde crashes in. Stronger than a dozen men. More dangerous than any mere mortal. Terrorizes uh, Jane Foster. So it's like... Got to turn Um, into dawn. I hope nothing bad happens. Bad stuff happens.
0: um, Can we just stop doing this podcast and turn it into a uh, radio drama? (laughs) Because that'd be so much more fun. (laughs) Um, Okay,
1: so Thor is chillaxing. Actually, he's not chillaxing. I think when it opens up, he's like swinging his hammer around on the big splash page, right? Mm -hmm. And Doctor Mister Hyde is like skulking in the background, all weird looking. Yeah. Okay. So um, Thor swings his hammer. He is off to see dear old dad. He really wants to marry Jane. And Mary is, of course, in Makar's Marvel lore, a euphemism. hmm And he's like, hey, dad, can I, you know, <clears throat> with this mortal chick? And dad's like, no, the son of mine, no immortal of Asgard, is going to lower himself to nuptials with the lady of the fair mortal folk. Only... Much ruder. And um, so he's like, please. He's like, no. So then we um, change scene to a crazy old man walking the streets. This is Mr. Hyde, who is out to find Don Blake to get revenge. Revenge. And what does he need revenge for? Well, you see, um, Calvin something.
0: Zebo. Calvin
1: Zebo. He. Um,
0: or Zabo. Maybe. I don't know. I think I was
1: reading Zabo. I think I was reading Zabo in my head. So he went to work for Don Blake. He said, yo, Dr. Blake, I'm pretty cool. Give me a job. And Dr. Blake's like, no, I've heard about you. You are a thief. You are irresponsible and you are dishonest. You cannot work for me. And I was like, man, I was going to steal from him. And he stopped me from stealing from him. I need revenge. (laughs) And, uh, Turns out that he's a big studier of literature, only not. He just like read the Cliff's Notes because he thinks that Dr. Jekyll wanted to turn into like this evil, gross dude, Mr. Hyde, and let him take over his mind. And so he decides, he wants, I-, I-, I think that's possible. I think I can do that. I want to mix this stuff together in this potion and look, it's green and bubbly. I'll drink it. And he turns into a gross, mean, hunched over dude named Mr. Hyde. And as Mr. Hyde, of course, he is super strong. Like, they don't really emphasize it a lot in this. But over the years, Mr. Hyde is really freaking strong. Um, and he decides that he's going to use his Mr. Hyde strength to get revenge on Dr. Blake. For, I don't know, not letting him steal from him as a fake job employee or something. I don't know exactly what. Meanwhile, Thor is still back at Asgard. Please, dad. No. Please, dad. No. Please, dad. No. Fine. Didn't want to marry her anyway. I should leave, dad. You're so mean to me. And um, he's, he raises his hammer in anger. And Odin's like, <gasps> you raised your hammer to the king of Asgard? And he like zaps him in the belly or something like that. I don't know. So Thor flies home and he's in his office and he hears a big ruckus outside as Mr. Hyde crashes into the, the waiting room. He's like, oh. There's a ruckus outside. I'll turn into lame Dr. Blake and hopefully I won't have to do anything and nothing bad will happen. But bad stuff's happening outside. And so Mr. Hyde knocks Dr. Blake out of the um, window and is like, yes, I've killed Dr. Blake. He's dead forever. And Dr. Blake's falling. Ah. And he smashes his hammer his, his cane, rather, against the passing building. Like, the building that's flying in front of his face. Don't touch it. It'll, like, bloody you. But he smacks his cane against it. Turns into Thor. And of course, Thor, you know, he just lands. Swings his hammer. Flies right back up. Yes, I saved Dr. Blake from that fall. And now I'm going to save you. Um, but Jane's already been saved. Because once, once Mr. Hyde killed Dr. Blake, he left. And Thor holds Jane. It'll be okay, Jane. And, um... Let's see. Mr. Hyde hears on the radio something about, he reads in the paper, hears on the radio something about Thor saving Dr. Blake. He's like, no, I thought I had revenge. I don't have revenge. And then the story takes a weird turn. Then we see Thor breaking into a bank and stealing all the money and making off with the loot. And the cops are like, I guess Thor's bad now? We got to stop him. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we got to stop him. Dun, dun, dun. Thor's bad now. To be continued.
0: Yeah, I thought like I had missed pages or something. I actually went back because it did seem like just out of nowhere, it went a whole different direction.
1: Right. And I don't know if they're setting up some like fake out that is Mr. Hyde or if Thor's like trying to lure Hyde out or something. I don't know. But you know what? Sometimes there's a reputation of this really famous lame doctor. And that's who you want to go work for the world famous lame doctor. That's how he's known (laughs) in like
0: the news. It is unfortunate how often they call him lame and how often he calls himself lame.
1: Yeah. Like with a definite article.
0: Like Like, that's his defining characteristic. There's
1: the doctor and there's the lame doctor.
0: (laughs) That's
1: one of them has a time traveling machine, and one of them has a hammer.
0: <laughs> what a great HBO series, The Lame Doctor. Um, yeah, I'm like looking, kind of looking forward to next issue, and just to see what the heck's going on because <laughs> it's so ending? weird. What
1: was that? What was that?
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that it's going to be disappointing, but we'll find out. I didn't look ahead just because, but uh,
1: and I've read it, but it's been a, it's been a couple of years now.
0: Don Heck, oh, man, I really love his Thor art. In all respects, except his Thor. His Thor looks silly bonkers to me, but I think his hide was cool. His hide was cool. All the regular human stuff is cool. Don Blake looks cool, but yeah, Thor just looks funky.
1: So um, okay, I have not read the Strange Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Me neither. Um, It's one of those things I want to read, Mm -hmm. but he said something that made me that struck me as odd. He says. I know it must be possible to change a human being, change him so that his baser nature takes over. Just as happened to Dr. Jekyll. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it feels like, maybe it's not exactly what he's saying, but when I read it the first, I felt like he was saying Dr. Jekyll was trying to make his baser nature take over.
0: Yeah. I I, thought, I read it the same way and thought the same thing. Like, I'm pretty sure that part was an accident.
1: Right. So I did some research and... Um it's actually a very sh- it's a relatively short story it's a novella. Um and it's actually told from the point of view of other characters who like come across Jekyll and Hyde and they do the whole like you don't know they're the same person and then someone sees them change into the same person so it's kind of weird. Um but what Jekyll was doing was he was a gentleman. He was, you know, nobility and he wanted to do things that would make him look bad. And none of the references I saw specified what the things were. Mm -hmm. But basically he made a potion to change his appearance so that he could do the more base, you know, vice activities and get away with it. But then that came with a different personality and it started taking over. It became harder to change back. And then he started involuntarily changing into Mr. Hyde, which combined with being difficult to change back, Hyde eventually just took over the whole thing.
0: I thought it was something about like him wanting strength, but maybe that was just the superhero fan in me you know yeah, yeah And I
1: think like there's um there's this I think there's a movie that came out actually I think might have been a, a partial inspiration for this the nutty professor came out in the June of 1963 oh. um, which is a sort of a takeoff on that idea and this might have been like a response or reaction to that mm-hmm. um, but yeah the nutty professor he's a dork who wants to get in with the ladies and so he like makes himself look sexy Mm-hmm. He pulls a Stefan Urkel.
0: I wonder if this is also just Stan mining things that he saw when he was a kid, because I'm sure there was there must have been a Mr. Hyde or Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde movie or something at some point. Um, I wonder, like, copyright advice yeah, if it's if it was just up for grabs or something.
1: Well, it's from the, the, the novellas from the 1800s. So a lot of that stuff is public domain.
0: Exactly. You so you can yeah, make you can movies just,
1: out of it. But yeah.
0: So, like, he's putting a public domain character into a Thor book. So, either, so he's just got, like, like all these things that he didn't invent and he's just doing his own play on them.
1: And have you read Much with Mr. Hyde before?
0: I've read – so, for me, there's three stories. There's, like, the, the very brief John – or Roger Stern, John Byrne Cap run where Cap gets captured and he chains him to the front of this big boat and then – I think Beatrix was also there. And then Beatrix has a change of heart and helps Cap, like, beat up Mr. Hyde. So that was cool. And then there was the even cooler where, like, the Masters of Evil invade and take over Avengers Mansion. And Mr. Hyde tortures Jarvis in front of a chained up Captain America, which doesn't make him happy. That was a really horrible moment. Mm -hmm. And then there's much, much later when Captain America is just the captain in that cool black outfit. Oh, yeah. Um, Mr. Hyde and a bunch of other people like Titania or whatever escape from uh, this prison that we can't seem to remember the name of. And uh, Cap pays him back for torturing Jarvis by, like, beating the crud out of him. So that's all I know about Mr. Hyde, really. All Cap stuff.
1: And I guess he kind of stayed in, like, the Cap and Avengers realm because I had never heard of him. Uh, My first experience with Mr. Hyde was this comic. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't even – I don't think I realized he was a Thor villain first. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I didn't either because I didn't have any context for him. But when I was reading through early Marvels, you know, at some point in the late 2000s, early 2010s, I, I did a lot of early Marvel reading just because it was there and I found out you could. Um, so I read this story and I was like, oh, my gosh, Mr. Hyde was actually a comic books character. But then I, I, I was thinking as I was reading this one, this is just the first.
0: Mm-hmm. Then he
1: goes and grabs Dracula. He grabs Werewolf and he um, oh, you know yeah. he, he turns several horror movie characters into comic book characters
0: yeah but sadly like you pointed out like his motivation is really silly
1: yeah yeah calvin zabo yeah he just he wants to steal from from his boss and his boss is like no i've heard of you i'm not gonna let you pretend to work for me and then steal for me and he's like revenge (laughs) yeah where he should have just been like well you're not wrong yeah (laughs) That's a fair cop. I want to move on to the
0: next schmo, see if I can get somebody else. (laughs) So when I was a kid, like, I thought, it'd be really cool. I'm going to invent the greatest ant pesticide ever. And I took 409 and, like, Windex, and I put them in the thing, and I mix them together. And I was an awesome scientist, and I poured it on ants, and I don't even think they died. But, uh, yeah, I never turned into Mr. Hyde. It doesn't really work, like, so easily, like it seems to do in Marvel Universe, where just, like, all these people are geniuses somehow. Yeah. He's yeah, like, just, why, this guy who steals from doctors can also is like able to make this scientific formula that turns him into someone who can lift a bus. It just happens. It just happens. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's too many smart people in Marvel or something.
1: Um, so this is a Don Heck issue. Mm-hmm. It's the second Don Heck issue. And there's going to be one more Don Heck issue. Okay. So I'm not sure where I got the idea that the Kirby run started in, in issue 97.
0: Oh. Yeah, I guess he's not back back yet, huh?
1: No, he had a ninety, he had an issue 97, and he is doing the backups, but he's not back back until 101. In so 101 you, forward, that is definitely the Kirby run.
0: What do you think of this idea that Odin's like, you know, if you can prove that Jane's worthy of immortality, then I'll make her a goddess, and then you guys okay. can hook up.
1: Okay, you know what I thought about? What? how they're using the idea of worthy for the first time in any real way. And it's not about Thor.
0: Yeah. But worthy of immortality as if that's some particular thing you have to achieve. Well,
1: okay. Because Don Blake, as the story is being told at this point, Don Blake has been made into Thor.
0: Yeah. They even say that, don't they?
1: Yeah. He calls attention to the fact that, Hey, you turned me into Thor. Thor. And what about Jane? He's like, fine, prove that she's worthy. (gasps) But you know what else he says right before that? It doesn't, I'm not entirely sure how to to spin that.
0: Like right before that, Odin thinks, I'll throw my son a bone. I'll give him a crumb. What page are we on? Page seven, where he says, if you can prove, if she can prove herself worthy of immortality, then maybe we'll talk again about this. Mm -hmm. But right before that, he's thinking to himself, he's so sad and whatever. And I just zapped him in the belly and I feel bad about it. So I'll just throw him this crumb. Now we could retcon that to mean that there's no way that he can even turn Jane immortal and that Thor is just under this impression that he was a human and now he's immortal, but really Odin knows better and that like that's not even a thing that's a thing, but I'm just gonna lie to make him happy.
1: That is pretty great.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like it's like, okay, Odin's just making up crap.
0: Mm-hmm. And Thor's like, well, I was human, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, you were. And you made me a god. Oh, yes, that's what I did. So you can do that with Jane. Okay, sure. Let's put a pin in that. And, you know, we'll talk about it again.
1: And if but, you go a little bit further in the conversation, it, 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 it can it keeps working. He's like, You dare suggest I use that great power on a mere earth girl for another purpose and to make her your wife? To become an immortal, yet you, you have to be noble, and unselfish and fearless, and possessing virtues far in excess of those which the ordinary earthbound human
0: possesses, he knows this full well. Like that time you hid for your life in the cave and found the stick? <laughs> and you pa- you pounded on the wall because you were so terrified and you tried to use a stick to get move the rock because you thought the aliens were going to kill you that's sort of bravery
1: yeah that's the one yeah make sure to see if see if see if Jane can do that
0: yeah <laughs> Anyway, it'll be. They didn't bring it up again. I kind of thought they were going to. It's odd that a '60s comic doesn't follow through on something like that. But again, it's to be continued. So maybe next issue they'll prove that she's not brave enough to be immortal or something.
1: Oh, this is this is we're definitely spinning out a Jane Foster arc. Okay, all of all of this stuff is going somewhere. Okay, cool. It's the it's it's the one like ongoing subplot besides Spider Man that I know about <laughs> in Great. early Marvel.
0: Finally, yeah, good stuff.
1: Um, There was something on page 10 that made me say, hello, Superman. Um, Oh, yeah, so Don Blake gets pushed out the window by Mr. Hyde, and Thor comes back. Dr. Blake, he, he fell from the window. He No, do not fear for his safety. He's all oh, right. Yeah. I'm like, Luckily, I was passing by, and I saw him falling. I managed to save him before he struck the ground. I'm like, hello, Superman. How are you?
0: Calls her and- Jane, too. But I yeah. guess they've, they've met like 20 times at this point. so.
1: Not Miss Foster or just a slip of the tongue. Jane, are you all right?
0: No, I just wasn't sure if like he should even know her name. But I guess he saved her multiple times by now.
1: Yeah, yeah. He keeps saving. He accidentally calls her
0: Lois in the next page.
1: <laughs> um, Not really. No, no.
0: But, but Don is in a telephone booth at the bottom. <laughs> he
1: is in a telephone booth. Thor is Superman. Fight me.
0: Yeah, he totally is. Okay so that's Except pretty when much- he's in Avengers Then he's a total like Thor god guy again Yeah, but-
1: in Avengers And of course that's Kirby too I mean, Don Heck is not Kirby So yeah. I don't know I don't know We'll see how it goes When Kirby gets his hold Mitts mm-hmm. on it again Mm-hmm um, Should we move on to the Tales of Asgard?
0: Yeah, Tales of Asgard Oh, it's me Yeah <laughs> Were you waiting for me? I was waiting for you. Oh, okay. Uh, You didn't hear it
1: because the the silence will be cut out. But I waited for like a good 10 seconds there. Um, Okay. Let's see. Oh, this one's about Surtur. Surtur the fire demon. the fire demon. Okay. So. um, I can summarize it for you
0: really fast. Take the last Tales of Asgard and replace Ymir with Surtur. And it's the same thing.
1: Close, close. Yeah. There, there's there are a few differences. Um, the trolls are trying to get out of the ground or something. There's this like big splash page I remember of like them lifting the ground up on like jack poles or something. Anyways, and Odin like smashes his hand, his uh, sword into the ground and scatters all the trolls away. And he's like, Huh, you know what? I think I need to go kill a fire demon. So he goes to fight searcher and searcher is this giant. I mean you saw him in the Thor Ragnarok film. He's this giant fire demon. And there are these badass panels of him reaching his hand out and the fingers of his hand turn into serpents and go after Odin. Odin strikes him back and he even like um, pulls ice out of space or something. Huge chunks of ice to like squelch the fire demon. And the fire demon's like, oh no, ice! I can't stand it. So he he um leaves the lake of fire and and runs down to earth and hides inside the earth or something, or maybe yeah, Odin traps him inside the earth, sticks his sword into the ground, and starts spinning it like so fast or so hard that it makes the entire world spin, which is why the world spins to this very day, children. And Surtur is trapped in the inside of the world. The end. Oh, no, no, no. Surtur, in hopes or in bribery to, like, get Odin to let him free, sends Odin a winged horse. And it was like, cool winged horse. Rotten hell, Surtur. <laughs> and that's the end. See, kids?
0: Earth is not flat. Right? There's, There's a proof. fire
1: demon living in the center of the ball.
0: There's proof right there. God, these stories are so random. Like... And then he gives them a Pegasus. No explanation or anything. Because a Pegasus and a big fire demon, that seems relatable somehow. hmm Like, of course, a big fire demon could just generate a Pegasus to give while he's stuck in prison. Makes perfect sense. The weird thing
1: is, is that it feels like a myth. Oh, yeah. It feels like the, and then this happened, and then this happened. And then the randomness of, you know, sending a winged horse as a gift. Mm -hmm. That feels like a mythology story.
0: So the question is, is it a mythology story?
1: (laughs) So if you're new to the show, we have a friend of the show, Gene Hendricks, Gene, Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene. And he is a worshiper of the Norse gods. And he knows, you know, quite a bit more than we do about the original um, Eddas and myths of the Norse um, culture. So we've been asking him to read through these backup stories and let us know what he thinks. So this is what he has to say about our latest chapter. What in the name of hell, one L, did I just read? (laughs) Trolls using crank jacks to lift up hills. Odin tapping into godly power by sticking his sword in the ground. Searcher creating the moon. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. He, like, when he goes down to Earth to, to attack Odin, he, like, digs out a big old chunk of Earth and throws it. And that big chunk of Earth became the moon. Um, Surtr being trapped in the center of the Earth and then bribing Odin to release him with a winged horse. None of this in any way close to the original. Wow. None of this is in any way close to the original. Um, first of all, trolls just ain't that bright. So showing them using mechanical devices of any kind doesn't track. They would side with Surtur, but all evil things side against the gods at Ragnarok, so that's not a stretch. Surtur himself, though, is just waiting in Moosepell, the land of fire, waiting to burn the world during Ragnarok. The idea that he would be in the center of the Earth or create the moon getting there just doesn't make any sense at all. Interruption. I'm wondering if Lee is trying to relate it to the uh, more American Western world idea of um, hell being like the land of fire in the center of the earth being ruled over by a fire demon. So Maybe. like putting searcher in the world, like to give a literal, I don't know, just random idea. I had um, Gene finishes by saying, I'm sorry, but if you want a story of Odin battling searcher that actually works with the lore, you're going to have to wait until Thor 349, oh, which boy. is the Walt Simonson run.
0: Yeah. Cause we'll get there.
1: Yeah, someday. <laughs> so in
0: other words, even though it feels like a myth when he randomly gives them the gift of a Pegasus, that's all just Stanley making stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Well he's good at making things feel like a myth. Yeah. Um,
1: just like Ymir, Searcher barely appears in the original Thor run. He uh his next major appearance is going to be in the Avengers sixty one, where he and Ymir will menace uh the Avengers with the Black Knight and Doctor Strange. So,
0: well, okay. I don't really have much more to say about that one. And I feel like I didn't actually say
1: anything about the story. Um, but we that's... have lots of different kinds of giants. We also have lots of different kinds of trolls. We met the Silent One trolls and the Avengers One. These are other kinds of trolls. Uh, I really like the art. Oh in yeah, this. art's great, especially that like serpent hand page. And that's it.
0: Kirby should have done like you know, quote unquote, real uh, uh, Norse god comic books or something just for fun. Because he seems to like this kind of epic, epic yeah. stuff with like fur capes and everything, you know. I don't know. He would have been good at it.
1: All right. Should we get into what's so, probably going
0: to be our last issue for this episode? So strange tales. Speaking of continuations, that's all three books today are continuations in a way because we got ant or giant man. Whoa! I almost called him Ant Man. Giant Man continuing from last issue. We got Journey into Mystery, straight up ending weird. Into some sort of continuation for next time. And then this one is sort of a loosey-goosey uh, continuation, as we'll see in a second. But it's Strange Tales number 116, which was uh, 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 um, called In the Clutches of the Puppet Master. So yippee there. Uh, oh, just
1: to pause real quick. This is the uh, the next week. So we have now transitioned to October 8th. This is our yes. earliest chronological one for October 8th for reasons that we'll probably talk about in a minute.
0: Yeah, October 8th, 1963, cover date of January 1964 by Stanley, Dick Ayers, George Russo, and Ray Holloway. And how it's to be continued is it takes place, um, you know, following Fantastic Four number 14. So that wasn't really a cliffhanger issue, but the Puppet Master did seemingly die – by a big giant octopus. We find out that's not true because he had a, a button that made his submarine uh, go to the surface really fast. And when he pressed it, the octopus couldn't take, uh, um, I don't know, like getting that close to the surface. So it let go. And anyway, as soon as he pops free, um, like he hasn't even escaped from his submarine yet. And he's already plotting more revenge because he really does not like the Fantastic Four. So we cut to that. Now he's back in his house or wherever, and he's working on a Johnny Storm doll. And he tells Johnny Storm, he takes over Johnny Storm with the doll, and he tells Johnny Storm to go find Alicia and hit on her, essentially. And just like before, it's kind of muddled as to how this actually worked, but it feels like Johnny doesn't realize he's being controlled, kind of like Submariner didn't realize he was being controlled. So Johnny just goes over there and starts hitting on Alicia. Alicia's like, God, don't do that. Thing will be home soon. Thing is home soon. Guess what? He deals with it calmly and rationally. No, 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 he doesn't. He goes crazy like the Thing would do and tries to attack Torch. Torch is happy to fight back. They trash the apartment. They don't care about almost killing Alicia. That gets taken outside, which ends up with them crashing, like going all over the place and like crashing into a construction site and like... They're fighting really good, but they can't quite kill each other. Um, there's something holding back, and uh, the Puppet Master notices that because now not only does he have the Puppet Master gimmick, but he also has, like, this view screen now that, like, is linked telepathically to his victim so he can watch from a distance what's going on. Which is weird. I don't think he had that before. Um And it doesn't really explain how he has it now. But hey, puppet master kids. Um, Anyway, he notices that they're not killing each other like they should be. Like he wants them to be. Like he wants the Human Torch to like straight up try and kill thing. And they're all holding back kind of like brothers. Um, So he's like, the reason is because I'm too far out. I got to get closer. So he wills the Human Torch to go to a nearby hospital, which is like, the biggest, uh, uh, you know, meat spot, I guess, near where the Puppet Master lives. Um, meanwhile, Alicia frantically tries to call the Fantastic Four to no avail. So she thinks to herself, hey, I know where he, the Puppet Master used to live because he's my stepfather. And it was by that airport. So I'm going to go over there, too. So now all three, you know, the Thing and Human Torch, Puppet Master and Alicia Storm are all going. Alicia Storm. Alicia uh, Masters are all going to the airport. They uh, all Masters. Yeah, that's what I said. They all converge. And um, let's see. The fighting continues. And Puppet Master's right. He's able to get Human Torch to pretty much nearly kill the thing, if not for the fact that Alicia shows up just in time and sort of distracts his attention by screaming. So that stops Johnny from killing the thing. Um, Alicia then says, Johnny, create like a big... Fire blanket like nine inches above us. So he does that while the puppet master's attention is you know away, and that causes the puppet master's models to melt. At which point, um, you know, they easily arrest this short, bald guy with no powers, and um, the things like, "Oh, Johnny, I didn't know you were uh, you know possessed." And Johnny's like, "Yeah, I didn't either." And then they're like friends again. To the end. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so they can be friends again.
0: Yeah, as much as they are.
1: Um, I really like the cover on this. I do too, but what the heck is it? I don't know how they're doing the coloring on the thing. But the first time I saw this cover, I was like, is that a modern re-colored cover? Because the gradient work on the orange is amazing.
0: Yeah, it almost looks like a computer did it, but how could that be?
1: Right. And if you look really, really carefully, you can see that it's just like different layers of, I don't know, some sort of shading material over the colors that's been like cut. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's really, really
0: effective. Mm-hmm. It looks cool.
1: And I don't know if you mentioned, did you mention it? Because I was uh, getting my notes over from my iPad onto my computer um, that this picks up straight from the previous Strange Tales issue.
0: It. Um, uh, no, I did not. Where? How do we? Oh. Because he's like flying around saying he just fought the Sandman. No, I didn't yeah. mention that. So, yeah, two, so it, two continuations. Right.
1: A loosey-goosey continuation from the Puppet Master story, but also a direct continuation from the previous uh, Strange Tales issue. He flew from the Sandman fight, literally, to this. Yeah. So um, the Puppet Master in this, Dick Ayers' Puppet Master, does not look like Kirby's Puppet Master. But... Kirby's Puppet Master was very creepy, and Dick Ayers' Puppet Master is also very creepy.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have the same elements, but I think Kirby's Puppet Master was a little more boyish looking or something. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like this perpetually young doll-looking thing, and like this guy looks like just an old creepy guy with thick eyebrows. And a weird mouth. And a weird mouth, yeah. So it is a little bit different, but... Uh...
1: I love how the blind woman who... Would have spent a lot of time memorizing her apartment. Mm Mm-hmm. Gets her home trashed by her boyfriend.
0: Yeah. Just trashes her apartment. Just destroys everything. Thing really, I mean, I don't know if he'll ever learn, but Thing really needs to, like, count to ten once in a while. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, is he really thinking that Johnny's trying to steal his girlfriend? Like, there's no other possibility that something's going on, that he doesn't understand something.
1: It's going to be hard to count to 10 with only four fingers
0: on each hand. <laughs> count to eight then. That's fine. Or in this case, he has three fingers, it looks like. Well, hmm. three fingers and a thumb. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one. It's just
1: one big fight, really. It is. It really is. And it was a little bit disappointing in that regard. Mm-hmm. But it's just one. And I wonder if that was part of the idea. Because it says in a footnote that this story is actually suggested by readers. Okay. Uh, Tommy and Jimmy Goodkind in Hewlett Harbor, New York, suggested this story idea. So, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like,
0: I saw that. That was kind of neat.
1: Yeah. Just have them fight and they can fight over Alicia, which is weird because they're going to be fighting over Alicia again down the road. Like, yes. Johnny marries her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't put in my, I didn't say in my synopsis either, but I like that Alicia once again can kind of tell. I don't know if it's extrasensory or just from her being used to being around her evil stepfather, but like when someone's possessed. By the Puppet Master, their voice is different. Mm-hmm. She said the same thing about Submariner. So I don't know if they're trying to just say, like, uh, she's got powers or something. But I think it's just more like she's used to hearing it.
1: Right. Um, a little pro- uh, on, a like, a story structure note. Page seven has, like, four dramatic panels where Thing and Torch are falling.
0: Mm-hmm. Alicia's
1: trying to make a phone call for help. Susan and Mr. Fantastic are going out, so they're ignoring the phone. And Professor's like, "Everything's going perfectly. My revenge will be complete. The Fantastic Four will be no more." You turn the page, and you get a really big splash image mm-hmm. with a band left blank from art at the top, like it was going to be story title chapter two or part two, and then they just didn't do that. But it feels like the artist is putting in a part one, part two structure into his art. Are you saying that your
0: red on the top has no words in it?
1: No, I'm saying oh. that like when he drew it, he left a blank space up
0: there. Oh, I see. That yeah, St-
1: yeah. Stanley then had to fill in with a very verbose
0: caption. Yeah, that very easily could have done that. They maybe should have done that. That would have been cool.
1: Yeah, but they left behind that the whole parts thing quite a while yeah. back now.
0: They don't have to be so religious about it. No, no, they don't.
1: And... um Yeah, she makes the connection that that's the puppet master. Her puppet master father is not dead, which I think if anyone else had made that connection, I would have questioned it a lot more. But Alicia knows her stepfather. So you're right. It kind of makes sense that she would guess it.
0: Mm -hmm. And she prevents the thing from knocking his head off because she's compassionate. And even though he's weird and creepy and probably made her do horrible things, she still doesn't want him to die. Mm -hmm. Or maybe she doesn't want Thing to be a murderer. Either way.
1: I don't want things to be a murderer either, so I'm with you on that, Alicia.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Page 12.
0: Page 12. Being
1: in his, uh, the last panel, Uh being in his flaming form, the torch is able to fly through the jet's innards and hurl himself harmlessly (sighs) out again the aircraft's exhaust.
0: I know, I read that too. That makes no dang sense.
1: None at all. He's... The human torch so he's intangible and he can just fly through stuff now? Yeah, he doesn't uh,
0: uh, turn to flame.
1: No, he doesn't. He's not actually made of fire. He is a dude on fire. Yeah. Similarly, uh, not similarly, but another kind of what the F moment is on um, the next page where they lower the blanket of fire. Mm-hmm. And the blanket of fire gets close enough to ignite the clay in the puppet master's hand, but not damage or burn anything else.
0: Yeah. There's that. They, they, they just don't understand fire yet. Still, we're still getting weird fire shenanigans in this, in this book.
1: And you think we've had fire for a while. We kind of know how it works, right? Like I know how fire works.
0: Yeah. But they haven't known how fire works since the beginning. Yeah. You know, bulletproof fire and fire missiles and fire ghosts. Maybe and, it's
1: all like yeah. uh, like a, a history conspiracy. Maybe we haven't actually had fire that long and <coughs> Stan Lee just never worked with it before.
0: I think they just make things up that he can do and like it's just a little crazy. Like he even used this <laughs> fire once to like to to try and do the same thing that Reed Richards Scanner was doing. Remember that? Like that's crazy. I can't remember what it was now. They were trying to find yeah, some, yeah, locate somebody.
1: Locate somebody. And he makes a fire like display. I, I forget what. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like he's a Green Lantern. Anyway.
1: I feel like they keep trying to permanently end the Puppet Master. Like, this is the third Puppet Master story, and he dies at the end, or is permanently removed from being a villain at the end of each one. He falls out the window in the first one. He gets eaten by the octopus in the second one. And he gets his hands burned off in this one. So they keep trying to, like, kill off the Puppet Master.
0: But he also keeps escaping.
1: Yeah, oh, that's what their villains do. It's like, oh, you just thought that he was in trouble last time. Well, it turns out those weren't really his hands; those were his fake hands. But like,
0: this is horrible because it's like the puppet master makes his escape while the thing is getting busy with Alicia. But then, like in the background, you see Johnny Storm like waving goodbye to him practically. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't catch this guy just walking away. Come on, he's getting away. Stop him. Arrest him. Nah, we're good. It's fine. I got my Alicia to love. Yeah, and and we got to talk about Ben not being Rock Hudson, so. All right. (laughs) But there's two stories in this one, and guess what? I get to do the backup again.
1: Yeah, is this your – this
0: is not your first Doctor Strange story. It's not. I think I did the first one or maybe the second one. By the way, the last Doctor Strange story we talked about, I forgot Uh to say, it was the first story that didn't have his stupid astral form in it. The origin story. (laughs) You're right. Because this one has his astral form in it again, so it's called "Return to the Nightmare World" because he's been here once before, kids. Um, and it starts out in the Nightmare World with Nightmare talking to like his minions about like this potion that they're going to use so that people can't wake up, and then he can keep them in his Nightmare World and study how humans work, so he could take over the real world. Um, So he does that to like three or four people and the police and a doctor, a cop and a doctor come to visit Dr. Strange and they're like, Hey, there's these three or four people and we cannot get them to wake up. They've been asleep for days. We've tried every kind of everything we can think of, including, you know, medicine and stuff and nothing is working. And even though what you do is a bunch of mumbo jumbo, you probably get results. I hear you get results sometime. So, can you help us out with this? And he's like, well, let me scan one of these guys with my eye of Agamotto. Yep, this is magic. So, I'll deal with it. Get out of here. I got it. So, then he consults a book that's really old. that has, like, all the defenses against the, well, I was going to say dark arts, arts, but he likes the dark arts. So, I'm not sure what it's defense against. But the good arts, the bad arts, the nightmare arts, I don't know. Both Just all that all the dark arts he you knows that like all the spells he could cast he you knows how to counter them now. Okay, so it's a book of counter spells, every counter spell in the world, I guess. Um, and he finds the right one and he casts it, even though it like is hard to read, and he's really worried that he's going to get it wrong. But he gets it right, and it basically opens a portal to the nightmare world, and his astral form goes in there, and it creates this road. Uh, it's not Dormammu; it's the other guy, Hogoth or Hogoth or Hogar or something like that. Creates this road to where he can travel on it and Nightmare can't hurt him. But he better not leave the road or Nightmare can get him. So the whole thing is him like going through this crazy looking universe, this nightmare universe on this like ghostly looking road. And he ultimately finds the three or four guys. He can see their souls trapped there by Nightmare. And Nightmare's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just go on up your road and get him. If you can get him, you can have him. So he starts to go up. And Nightmare's like, hey, I can't affect you on the road, but I can destroy the road in front of you. And so he does that. But that doesn't really work because um, Doctor Strange pulls his sash off. And uses an old Indian rope trick to like turn that into the rest of his bridge so he connects the sash to his Brit to his road to the people and he walks on it and he gets them and he starts leading them back but uh, 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 I can't remember why like something distracts him oh he gets caught like I don't know he's like not paying attention for some reason or he's too busy like oh I know what he is he's ushering the guys off the podium but he himself is standing on the podium and nightmare can affect the podium so nightmare Destroys the podium and uh, Doctor Strange falls. He can't grab onto his sash. He lands on the ground. Nightmare approaches him and has like this weird spidery looking demon thing that he's cattle prodding towards Doctor Strange. The spiny beast. The spiny beast. And Doctor Strange is backing away slowly towards this cliff and he's going to die seemingly. But no, the Eye of Agamotto once again saves him. So he makes this bright light which blinds Nightmare temporarily and unfortunately also causes Nightmare to cattle prod the spidey beast a little too hard and kills it. And while he's distracted, um, Doctor Strange grabs onto his sash and manages to make his way back to the safe passage. And he and the souls return back to Earth with Nightmare, um, chasing him and vowing revenge. Because you wouldn't let me rob from you. Because you wouldn't, you, wouldn't you wouldn't let me destroy the Earth. Dang right. you.
1: So not to nitpick um, because you did a great job with that, uh, but the amulet is not called the Eye of Agamotto yet. No. We get the name Agamotto for the first time in this story, but the amulet is just this weird eye-shaped mystical amulet at this point. Yeah. So we it's all just know. FYI. Uh, yeah. 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 We all know. This was the best so, one. This was the best one. I was going to say, did you like this one more? Because I thought yeah. like this one had like the most plot other than the
0: origin. Yeah. Well, and it was also the most atmospheric. I thought it was... I I think the Nightmare World was really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Ditko does great with all of Strange's alternate dimensions he goes through. The Nightmare World is pretty darn cool.
0: And, you know, it's still magic, but there's, like, kind of, like, rules in this one. He says up front, as long as I stay on this road, and he can't push me off the road. So then there's, like, all this, like, how does it get to him anyway kind of stuff. And that was kind of neat.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, um... Why did Nightmare decide that he now needs to start finding out about humans and taking over the world? That I don't know. Because I was assume that he's existed, like, as long as nightmares have, which means all of human history and then some.
0: And I assume, like, all other, like, elemental creatures that are blamed for things that humans suffer, like, he has a purpose. Like, he's giving nightmares for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. So, is it – It's it can't be to uh, – Take Over the world, unless that's the only way he can currently access the world is when we sleep Ooh. or something. I don't know, I don't know yeah. a lot about Nightmare,
1: and I don't know about what we have in this. These two issues, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen them once or twice other places, but nothing you know, like informative. So,
0: Listen, what, what was he doing? What, what was he doing in the in his first appearance? He was making that one guy not sleep. Or no. Yeah, that one guy was, was given uh, bad nightmares. By,
1: yeah, by dreams of the guy he had killed. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Strange goes to check it out, and, and suddenly nightmares there. I kill you, Dr. Strange. No, oh, we'll fight it out. Oh.
0: Um, so, so he was doing his job, essentially.
1: Yeah, basically just doing his job there.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: So Dr. Strange's uh, faithful manservant, Wong, uh-huh. is not yet named, but he's in this issue, and he is uncomfy.
0: Um, <laughs> what? Jimmy, just, yeah, visually. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, not even visually, but just like the role in the story, just like you've got this manservant, this Chinese or at least Asian of some nationality, um, manservant working for you, and mm-hmm. of course the English is slightly stilted because it would have to be, because of course we all know that Chinese Americans can't speak English properly, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's just it's just weird having you know this. Servant class working for you Maybe maybe it's less weird than I'm saying it But it seems like it's weird
0: Well, I don't know I guess I'm just used to, I just am used to the character So it didn't really bother me Especially since he's only in one panel And has two sentences But
1: Right, right Like
0: they could but, probably We'll probably get more horrible As they go along
1: Yeah, it's just part of the whole Doctor Strange dynamic And we saw it here Like he's in one of the earlier issues Maybe the first issue He's like a really tiny character who. Yeah, he opens the door For the guy who's having nightmares Yeah
0: I'll tell you one thing. Next time someone comes to visit me, I'm going to say, who disturbs Michael Kaiser? Right. Because that's how you roll, man. And also when you're
1: in the nightmare world, your monitors are made out of Spider-Man's eye holes. (laughs) Yeah. That's just how that works. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the first issue, didn't the guy say that like the name, Dr. Strange is spoken only in hushed whispers. Yeah. And here it's like, You're known throughout the world, and you're respected, and, you know, we came to you because we're starting to realize that maybe this whole magic thing has a reality to it. So it's like, is he known throughout the world, or is he a big secret?
0: That is true. Um, Also, in the origin issue, we kind of glossed over, like, Stephen Strange had just heard of the Ancient One. Like, he wasn't told about him. Right. Or he heard people talking about him. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that, too, like in whispers and whatever. So he must be real. So maybe this is, again, a case of like time passing or something between issue, okay. issue one. Because we don't really have – there's been no crossovers. So we don't know like if this takes place in 1965 or 1992. I mean, sorry. Wow, I'm going by, by our own time. Like 1955 or 1963. Right. you know, We have no idea.
1: And Doctor Strange interacts with the rest of the Marvel Universe almost never in these early
0: years. So mm-hmm. it's it's easily. I was trying to read what they actually say. Like, what do they know about him? Um,
1: the police are concerned about the number of people. That we have no evidence of a crime. We suspect
0: evil design. Oh, your fame is worldwide. We're turning they to say you
1: I'm... on the chance that a Mystic Spell may be involved.
0: Your fame is worldwide. So, yeah, they just straight up know him. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Lots of new mystical names in this. We have the Book of the Vishanti. We have another mention of the Dread Dormammu. Even though it's not called His Eye, we do get a mention of the All-Seeing Agamato. And the hosts of Hoggoth. And by the way, these hosts are not yet Hori hosts. <laughs> well, that's the hoary good. The Hori hosts. Yeah, that's what he says there. The Hori hosts of Hoggoth.
0: Yeah, they seem to be all the things he says all the time.
1: But it, even though I enjoyed this, like you said, I, this is a lot more interesting and there's definitely a lot more story to it. I enjoyed this more than the other ones we've done so far. I don't actually have a whole lot else to say about it.
0: No, it's just visually very cool. You can really tell that Ditko loves this. Uh, I
1: will I will say this, Mike, yeah. please do not force your spiny beast to chase me.
0: Okay. <laughs> can we agree on that? It looks pretty scary.
1: And that might be the end of our issue.
0: I think so. Unless you want to talk about one of the other stories, but are there any other Uh, stories? There's only two.
1: Yeah, there are only two in this one because he's taken up eight pages. There's not enough pages for the story, so they throw in a couple of extra ad pages.
0: Well, that's all you get, kids.
1: Probably the ad pages that would have gone in – oh, I forget which comic.
0: Okay, so Fantastic 422 is the ad I have. Yeah. Which we haven't covered yet, but it looks like the Mole Man's coming back. Spoilers.
1: Looking ahead, our next issue of Strange Tales, The Eel is back.
0: Okay. You you uh, said that with a lot of excitement.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Trying to sound excited. Jerry Siegel's (laughs) creation of The Eel is back. And um, I guess that's it. So where, uh, where do we exist on the internet, Mike?
0: We exist as the same place as our name. Make ours Marvel, but then you put a .com at the end. Uh, takes you to our page that has all our episodes. You can play them right there on the website, or you can download or subscribe to whatever feed you're interested in, should you be an Android or Apple user. And it also has a contact form where you can write to us to correct all our mistakes, or ask us questions, or just comment favorably or negatively on us. Or you could write directly to podcast at makeoursmarvel.com.
1: And I have a couple of the podcasts I have going on right now. Um, I am covering every month over at All the Pouches at Image Comics Podcast going through the early years of Image Comics. And at Super Silly Sentai, my nine-year-old son and I are doing audio commentary podcast episodes on the first Super Sentai series, He Himitsu Sentai Gorenja.
0: Is that like the American uh, version of Jason? Jason. Wasn't Jason the Red Ranger who said... Yeah. Oh, the time yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 The uh, the Japanese version of that only like twenty years earlier. Oh, I see. <laughs> or fifteen years earlier, because uh, the Japanese show that Power Rangers came from actually had fifteen seasons of power uh, of their show before the one that became Power Rangers. Wow. Yeah. So that's fun. That's also at johnreadscomics.com. And I want to send some thank you to our Facebook likers. We've had a couple of likes recently, recently as of this recording, Evan Pilchick. And actually, my personal friend, Joseph Rollins, has liked us on Facebook. He's been listening to the show. He's a a guy I work with at the school I teach in. He's a comic book nerd. He's a really great cosplayer. He does the comic book club at my school. And uh, we've always talked about, you know, the latest hero movies... And he's listening to our show now, and he's really liking it. He left us a—actually, as of this recording, we probably have already talked about the uh, feedback he left on our Facebook page. So, yeah. Awesome. So, until the human top becomes the wasp's chauffeur just so he can stalk her,
0: make ours Marvel. marvel.